This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. So big in the news right now is chat GPT and AI. And the question is, We've already talked about blockchain. Will AI, um, what impact will AI actually have on the accounting profession? Will it be a positive? Will it be negative? Um, we've talked about blockchain being a, um, you know, replacing a lot of the bookkeeping and financial reporting and even auditing. Um, and now we're looking at AI. Is it going to replace us from an advisory standpoint? And with us today, we have uh, Nick Hallman from the University of Texas. So very pleased to have somebody from my, that's currently teaching at my former, at my alma mater. And uh, Nick, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Tom. So if you could, Nick, give us a little of your background and why you're so interested in um, AI and, and the coming technologies. Right. So um, I am, as you mentioned, a, a newly promoted associate professor here at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, and I did my PhD at the University of Missouri. And so uh, I came straight to Austin from there. I've been here for, I suppose, six or so years now. Uh, I, for a long time after getting here, I was teaching an auditing course. That's my background. I was an auditor for Deloitte for several years uh, before I, I went to go get my PhD. Uh, but at some point, we realized that a lot of our students uh, had uh, had a desire to learn how to do more sophisticated sorts of data analysis than we were really teaching them here in the program. Uh, and we've been hearing for years from the firms uh, and private uh, employers that we that that they need the students coming out of our program to have some of those skills. And so recently, just this last fall, actually, was the first semester that we ramped this up. I started teaching a data analysis course uh, based in Python to our master's level accounting students here at uh, at UT, which, I, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think it went quite well. Uh, and a part of that, I mean, we dive into things like, um, like machine learning and, uh, you know, character recognition, how all of that stuff works. Not because I expect accountants will be doing that level of programming on the job, at least not out of the gate, but because these are tools that are coming and in some cases are already in play. Uh, and I think it's important that 
accountants know how the tools they're using work rather than treating them as a sort of black box. Yeah. So, so if you would, could, could, could you just give us a little um, tutorial on what, what is AI and what does it do currently and what will it be able to do in the future? So I feel like I need to preface anything I say here with the, with the caveat that I'm speculating uh, and predicting what the future of technology is going to look like is uh, a dubious task at best. Uh, I've, I heard recently, actually, somebody define AI as all the things that computers can't do yet. So it, we've gone through this cycle over and over again of setting the bar for AI. So, you know, you might have said uh, a few decades ago that AI would be when a computer could beat a human at chess, right? That would be an artificial intelligence. Well, that milestone has come and gone long ago. And if you asked somebody last year whether that was the bar for AI, they probably would have told you no. Uh, we've met several such milestones and increasingly uh, recently, things have begun to look, I think, like an AI that we might not, in retrospect, not call an AI. So uh, you mentioned ChatGPT Chat GPT in particular. Uh, I'm, I'm not so sure that in, uh, in four or five years' time, we will look back at what ChatGPT did today and say, no, that wasn't an AI. I'm not sure where – we may be finished short of moving the bar. Um, the technology that exists today, ChatGPT in particular, is um, it's it's eerie uh, when you use it. I assume you've played around with it sometime. Have, yep, uh, most people have, uh, but it's it's still somewhat limited. And part of that limitation comes from the fact that it will, um, if you ask it for uh, for specific types of information, it will just make things up. Uh, and quite confident, co confidently tell you that uh, that things are true that are not true. Uh, famously, I've seen many examples of it making up references. So it will cite papers with authors that really exist on topics that those authors really study, but the papers, the particular papers that it cites as sources, those papers just don't exist. Uh, I recently asked it to uh, write a program, a Python program for me, and it called on a package in Python that exists and referenced functionality of that package that plausibly could exist, but just doesn't. Uh, and I, that is a, a consequence of the way the, the model is trained, which I can go into some, if you like. Uh, I don't know if you care to well, do that. We, we, won't, we won't go that. We won't go that deep, uh, Nick. But 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 right now it's pretty pretty much just gathering, looking at all the data it has. And then, and then interpreting that data to answer a question. I mean, fundamentally, that's what it's doing, right? Well, not that's not quite right. So maybe just a surface layer of detail yeah, here. What it's actually doing is just building plausible sentences. So what the what uh, the model does is it's looked at a whole bunch of human written sentences on the internet. And it's not going out and searching the internet live when you ask it a question. What it's doing is, based on the prompt that you get it, give it, uh, it will basically just try and predict the next word that might plausibly have appeared on the internet given that prompt. And then once it's predicted that next word, it will predict the next word and the next word and the next word based on all the preceding words, including the prompt and the words it's already given you. Uh, and it's that's a that's a 
oversimplification clearly, but that's basically what it's doing. So it's not actually trying to produce truth in most cases. What it's trying to do is sound like a human. Interesting. So, so this is so. There's some danger right there, obviously, um, because you might think that it's giving you accurate information when it's not. It just sounds plausible. That's exactly right, and it's particularly dangerous because it often sounds so plausible uh, that it's easy to just skip the verification process. Now, that's uh, that's a problem that is in the process of being solved. Uh, Google, Microsoft, OpenAI, these companies, they know that this is a problem if they want to commercialize this. Uh, their use case is such a broad use case. They want to use it for, say, search, that it's a very difficult problem to fix. It's a little easier if your use case is more narrow, like it would be, say, for an accountant. Uh, and so there's been work done where you can you can narrow the corpus of information that this AI is allowed to pull from and get much more accurate responses. If, say, as a hypothetical example that I have some interest in perhaps working on, uh, if you wanted to write a version of chat GPT that could just write tax position memos, right? Mm -hmm. That would be much easier to get. It would be much easier to get an accurate version of that sort of specialized use case than it would be to get a general uh, chatbot of the type that ChatGPT is now. All right, so let's take it down that road. You mentioned the the you know the tax uh, tax research memo. So, um, what's your what are your biggest concerns about AI and how it might affect the industry? Let's look at the downside first, and then we'll talk about the upside. Sure. Well, they're the same side, I think. Is <laughs> so I I'm not I. I am a bit of a tech optimist, uh, and so certainly I could imagine uh, a lot of first year and staff hours uh, being substituted away by something like a, a chatbot of this type, taking a stab at a first draft of a position memo to go into an audit file uh, or as part of uh, tax work. I remember spending hours drafting those memos myself while I was in practice. Uh, and so to the extent you're worried about perhaps uh, the accounting profession needing fewer hours overall because bots are doing some that's, of that work. That's a good thing. That's a downside. I see it as a good thing. I think it's that's a, a good thing. Wait, wait, about have a shortage of accountants. So um, fewer hours right. would, would probably be a good thing from that standpoint. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And so long as it's treated responsibly, so, uh, so long as it's treated as a first draft, right? So no first right. draft. My background is in audit, not in tech, so I'll speak uh, using that analogy. But uh, to the extent that my senior or my manager, when I was a first or second year at Deloitte, would not just take my position memos and stick them into the file unread, uh, so long as we're not doing that with the output of these chatbots, I don't see a lot of risks. Uh, and maybe I'm being short-sighted here, but if you take it as a first draft, uh, and you fact check the memo as my seniors and managers did when I would write them and make sure the logic makes sense, uh, then it seems like a very powerful tool uh, that uh, I frankly doesn't have a lot of serious downsides, except if you're concerned about employing lots of accountants, <laughs> which is not, as you say, a concern that we are, are so uh, worked up about these days with the shortage. Right. So, so let's kind of take this down the road. Uh, um, great if it does a first draft. 
Here's here's the question. So we've talked about, um, previously on this show, we've talked about blockchain and the impact the blockchain could have on audits since blockchain is fundamentally an audit mechanism um, to make sure that everything, that transactions are accurate. So now you have the potential realistically of eliminating bookkeep, bookkeepers. You have the, the potential, you know, financial statements are pretty easy at that point. Um, at what point do you think that AI starts doing analysis as opposed to simply, you know, proposing the next word? I, I simply don't know. So what you're describing is something um, that might be called sort of a general AI. So an AI that has sort of human level ability to do all sorts of human type cognitive tasks. Uh, I mean, if you talk to some uh, experts in the field, they'll tell you this is around the corner. It could be 2030, 2040. Um, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not an expert in the field. I'm an accountant primarily that does some like uh, tech stuff on the side. Uh, and so I, I would defer to them, but I just, the leap that's got to be made to go from predicting the next word with some accuracy and sort of in, in an eerie way to decide what analysis to do and then go do it and then go interpret it. That seems like a big leap to me. I'm not so concerned. I, I, I'm not so excited or concerned, depending on how you view it, uh, about that happening in the near future. So, so you see it more as a tool that will eliminate some of the routine um, tasks. I mean, for example, like you say, drafting a memo or drafting an email to a client or uh, drafting a response to the IRS. Um, but it's all drafting, not the actual analysis of, is this a good draft? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, I see it as, uh, I mean, I see it like Excel, right? So Excel comes along and before that people would spend, accountants would spend hours summing columns of numbers to make sure that they correctly summed. And uh, that was not time well spent. Uh, and the fact that Excel came along, I, I, I've got a colleague here in the department who uh, he's close to retirement. And he, he harkens back to a time when people said, Excel is going to kill accounting. What do we need accountants for now that uh, Excel exists? And, uh, and I've started to hear people say similar things about blockchain or chat GPT. And I, I don't see that happening. I think, uh, I think it becomes a tool. Uh, and we certainly don't have fewer accounts now than we did before Excel. It was quite the opposite. So, so besides, uh, um, you know, eliminating the drafting and, and doing that kind of stuff, where do you see the tools uh, between blockchain and AI? Where do you see them most benefiting um, the advisory services that an accountant's going to provide? And exactly the same way that it would benefit somebody doing tax work or audit work. Uh, so we're, if we're speaking specifically about ChatGPT now and sort of the chat bot, maybe not that bot, but the chat bot sphere, uh, it's it's in all of the things that you mentioned, writing emails, writing memos. Uh, I don't, I, you could even, um, so for instance, if you were a consultant doing advisory work or an audit, an auditor doing uh, some sort of data analysis, and you were doing that analysis uh, in a tool like Python that requires coding, there are chatbots that are very good, that are purpose-built, in fact, to produce code. So if you're 
not brushed up, you're not sort of fluent in whatever language it is that you're writing in, but you know that that language is going to be powerful for the purpose, for the analysis that you're hoping to do, you can go to a chatbot like this and in plain language, tell it what you want done. And in a lot of cases, it will produce working code wow. that does what you asked it to do. Uh, now, I, I referenced this earlier, sometimes the code doesn't work because again, what the bot is trying to do is write code that seems plausible. Uh, it doesn't actually know what code exists, what, what code's going to work and what won't. It's not trying to run the code on its own. It's just producing code that looks plausible based on scrapes of lots and lots of forums of people talking about code and giving each other advice on how to code. All right, so but it's a very useful tool. It sounds like it. Um, so, so take yourself back to your Deloitte days and you go, okay, if we had um, the AI and we had what a blockchain could do, what would be eliminated in your job? What, what, what roles would be eliminated there? Well, um, so if you talk to the firms right now about what, so in, how do I want to say this? More and more, the role of a first year, a second year, an intern even at some firms, particularly the big ones, they're the ones I'm most familiar with, is looking uh, like the role of a senior. And the senior's roles are looking like the roles of managers. And that sort of scales up. Got it. it used to be, so even as, as recently as when I was in practice, when I started at Deloitte in, I don't know, the, the early teens, I guess, uh, I was doing lots of what I would call grunt work. I would make copies. I would put columns manually in 10Ks. I would, uh, I would go on mule runs. Uh, and I just, I think there's a lot less of that being done because uh, the footing of columns, the writing of memo drafts, the nobody makes copies. So, uh, all of that work is sort of disappearing or is being automated, which means there is space for those people to do more interesting, more thought-provoking work. Uh, but it's also a lot more responsibility. And this is this is a little bit of an aside, but another reason some of that work is going away, some of it's being automated, some of it is being uh, sort of centralized or offshored uh, so that some of the grunt work that can't be automated yet is at least from the perspective of somebody on an audit team sitting uh, at a client site today, it might as well be automated because it goes off to some other group, often offshore, and then comes back finished. And so you have, what's funny is you have staff now reviewing work that they never actually learned to do in the first place. Wow. Uh, and that's that was always the case with offshoring that I think is increasingly going to be the case with uh, automation. So you'll now have staff having to review memos when they never got the experience of drafting those memos in the first place, which is that's an interesting place to go. I don't know how that will work. I suspect we'll find out. Well, it'll be interesting. So so you you're you're there in the college uh, sphere. And how is this going to affect how you teach? Um, the students, because obviously there's been a lot of discussion uh, in English departments about this, um, but how, how will it affect how you teach and what you teach in the graduate school, for example? 
Yeah, so there, <laughs> there's no shortage of discussion uh, outside of the English department. <laughs> I've had many discussions about this with my colleagues here in McCombs, the business school, and there is widely diverging opinions. Um, so uh, my personal opinion for my course, yep. and I would do the same if I was in auditing, is uh, so all my exams are open book, open note, open internet. That includes ChatGPT. Uh, I sort of hope to teach students skills that are useful in a world where lots of things are being automated. And if I just preclude them from using those tools so that I can teach them something that isn't actually useful in practice because a bot can do it, then I'm not exactly sure what they're paying me for. Now, there are there are exceptions to that that rule, I think. So for instance, if you're trying to teach somebody just by way of analogy, if you're trying to teach somebody to do arithmetic uh, and it's important that you know how arithmetic works, well, it might make sense to bar them from using a calculator, right? Because they're just, they're never actually gonna understand the fundamentals of arithmetic if you allow them to use a calculator from Go. But that is now, barring that calculator or ChatGPT or any of these other things, that's becoming more and more difficult in the academic setting to the point where a lot of professors are just saying, listen, everything's going to be done in class with a paper and pencil. <laughs> As the technology advances, the sort of pedagogy almost retreats right. uh, and we're back to writing things down physically on paper. Well, that's that. Actually, my wife and I were talking about this. Of course, we, my wife and I are old enough to remember the blue books, um, where you did actually do an example oh, yeah. on a in a just a blank piece of paper and wrote it. When I took the the CPA exam, there were no calculators allowed. So the 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 question is is that do you force people to learn the the, the rudimentary skills? For example, right now I run into a lot of CPAs that say, well, the you know, the, the tax program does that. I don't even have to check it, which is scary because the tax program doesn't always do it right. And so, right. or it's like, you know, they go to the master tax guy and say, well, here's what the master tax guy says. I'm saying, yeah, but that's not what the law says. Okay. So, so how do you get um, people to learn uh, basically how to do the analysis if they're not having to do the fundamental analysis? Yeah. I mean, I think it is important that they do actually learn. So one way of thinking about this is you you have a, you have a big ball of knowledge and there are things that are core to that knowledge set that you've really got to understand at all the ins and outs of that right so if you're if you're a tax accountant the tax law <laughs> is pretty fundamental to that and then as you move out towards the edges there are things that are maybe useful to know but that you don't actually have to understand all the ins and outs of them right. in order to use them effectively. And so if you're a tax accountant, the way uh, the way to do some super sophisticated data analysis, that might be on the periphery of your knowledge set. And maybe it's not so important that you understand all the ins and outs of it. And a tool like ChatGPT that can sort of help you get by with a surface level of knowledge of that, that's perfectly reasonable. And I don't see a reason to take something like ChatGPT out of the hands of accountants who are on the side sort of learning to code and do some sophisticated data analysis. That's not to say that I would ever trust, uh, that I would ever advise them to just forego learning uh, how to do uh, basic audit procedures if they're an auditor in the hopes that the bot's just going to take care of it. No, of course not. 
Interesting. So um, shifting a little bit to the IRS, um, there's been some discussion in the news lately about the IRS using AI. How do you see um, AI being used in determining whether somebody's breaking the law, somebody's um, um, misreporting their income? How do you see it uh, applying in that realm? So I, I wish I knew the, the news story that you're referring to. I know that so there's um, two things that often get conflated because they're, they're nebulous terms are machine learning and AI. I, I certainly believe that machine learning is being used by the IRS. They'd be crazy not to. Uh, but I don't think, again, I, I'm not familiar with the particular story that you're referring to, but my understanding of the way the IRS uses machine learning is much in the same way that an auditor of, uh, you know, that I would use it as an auditor when I was at Deloitte auditing the books of some public company. Uh, it's not going to give you an answer, a definitive answer. What it will do is narrow the scope of things that you need to look at more carefully and manually. So they can weed out at the IRS a bunch of people that are low risk, uh, probably don't need to be audited. And then more effectively use sort of human hours to audit the most risky cases. Yeah. So they can use it to target, um, to, to that's really right. refine, refine their search and, and refine their targets. Um, that's, and that's, that's not to say that when the machine learning model spits out, hey, you know, taxpayer X looks suspicious that they've actually done anything wrong. It's just to say, hey, go take a look. That's, a, that's, a, that's probably a, an efficient use of your time. Got it. Um, how do you think that... Uh, AI will affect or chat GPT will affect relationship between um, advisors, particularly accountants, tax professionals, and their clients? That's an interesting question. I, I don't know. Uh, in a world where I, I was talking to some, uh, a couple of partners from Price Waterhouse the other day who were saying that they are now spending one or two, their teams, not just the partners, their teams are spending one or two days on client site as, as, as audit teams, which is a big shift from even when I was in practice uh, where we would spend all week at the client site. So mm -hmm. a lot more communication with clients are being done uh, digitally, which opens the door for sort of this intervening force like ChatGPT to take over some of that communication. So I, uh, I'll, I will know that I want to write a colleague an email just here at UT and I'll know the broad strokes of what I want to say. And I will ask ChatGPT, all right, here are the points I want to make in this email, draft the email for me. And I will do a shockingly good job at drafting that email, which I can just copy and paste over into my email uh, server and, and fire away. I mean, I mean, read it of course, but uh, I, I see that being the immediate use case we may eventually get to the point where uh, these accounting firms are able to simply allow the chatbot to respond without that sort of supervision. It might it may get good enough to, to where there's no human intervention needed at all on the accountant side. I don't know. It's it's very difficult to predict. So so um, last question. Um, if you can think about one or two ways that you think that AI will actually um, allow the, the, the CPA to serve their clients better, um, not just be more efficient, but actually serve them better, provide them better data, better information. 
can you name, can you think of a, a one or two situations where that might be really useful? So perhaps not with the, okay, well, maybe I can. So um, to the extent that uh, a service like ChatGPT or some more tailored version of it, as we discussed, is able to write more convincing, say, uh, tax position arguments, and it may it may be able to do that even now. I don't know uh, because I have not seen sort of a narrow tailored version of it targeted towards accounting. That's coming, I suspect. Uh, to the extent that it can write more convincing arguments of that type, I mean that seems beneficial for clients right out of the gate. Uh, stepping aside from the specifics of like chatbots for a moment, certainly something like uh, sort of large scale machine learning data analysis could. If you're a consultant working for a company, uh, could certainly make you help you make better predictions on the company's behalf. So one of the things, for instance, that I've, I have my students work on in my class is uh, we use very large data sets of foot traffic data where cell phone companies track where you are with your phone. They sell that data to aggregators. We can see that data. And now I can see how many people show up at a particular Starbucks on a particular day depending on what else is happening sort of in the area, right? And so if you can build machine learning models to uh, to collate and use that data to make strong predictions about future demand, uh, right? I could see a consultant really upping their game to help companies that they're consulting for. Interesting. So you're not seeing um, AI and blockchain as replacing accountants, period, but rather allowing them to do more interesting, more analytical type work. That's absolutely right. Yeah, we've, uh, as I mentioned before, we've gone through cycles of new technology is coming. They're going to replace accountants. And then we learn that, no, it just becomes a, a tool to help accountants do their job better and more efficiently. Uh, and so I don't, I'm, I'm far from sort of ringing the death knell of the accounting profession based on the new technology we see coming out now. Well, I love it. I, I I love the idea that we need fewer accounts because we have so few to begin with. So, and the idea that we can spend more of our time doing more useful um, and analytical type work with our clients is fantastic. So uh, thank you, Nick Hallman from the University of Texas. Uh, really a pleasure to have you today, Nick. And just remember, this is something, you know, even if you're old like me, I've been in this profession almost 45 years now. Uh, you can't be ignoring this stuff. This is something that is here and it's just going to accelerate. And if, if we pay attention, what we can actually do is provide better value, which means we end up with better clients, a better practice and a better life. Thanks everyone. Thanks Tom. You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>